Hi and welcome to Parsha on a Pod. My name is Yechiel Shafra. I'm the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation in Baltimore, Maryland. This week we will be taking a look at Parshat Shemini. In this week's Parsha, Aaron becomes the high priest, though he does hesitate because he remembers his history. Aaron tragically loses his sons as they make a fatal mistake, and we are introduced to the laws of Kashrut. Shmini means the eighth, indicating that this parsha opens up on the eighth day of the inauguration of the Mishkan. Shmini has 91 verses. Here it is in seven parts. Part one. Vayhibi Yom Hashmini. And it was on the eighth day of inauguration. On the eighth day of the inauguration of the Mishkan, Moshe calls out to Aaron. He said to his brother Aaron to sacrifice a personal calf for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. And then he speaks to the Israelites and tells them that Aaron is going to take on their behalf a he-goat, a calf, a lamb, an ox, a ram, and a meal offering. And after all of these sacrifices, God will appear in the Mishkan. The Rashbam, chapter 9, verse 4, suggests that a fire will come from heaven and consume these sacrifices. That is what it means, God will appear. All of Israel did exactly as Moshe instructed, and they stood before God, waiting with bated breath for the promise to come true. Moshe affirmed that God will indeed keep his promise. He told Aaron to bring his sin and burnt offerings to the Mikdash to atone for himself and the people, and Aaron did so. Aaron brought the blood and sprinkled some on the horns of the altar while pouring the rest out at the base. The fats and various organs were burned up on the altar. The flesh and the skins were burned outside the camp. Then Aaron slaughtered and burnt his burnt offering. He took the blood and dashed it on all sides of the altar. He washed the entrails, burnt them up. He brought the people's sin offering and offered it like the previous one. And so ends part one with bated breath, waiting for the appearance of the Divine Presence. Part 2. Vayakriv es ha-mincha. Aaron now brings the Mincha sacrifice and burns a handful of it on the altar. He slaughtered the ox and the ram, the sacrifice representing the people. He sprinkles the blood on the sides of the altar and then he burns up various parts of these animals. Aaron raises his hands before the people and he pronounces a blessing. The glory of God appears before the people. Rashi chapter 9 verse 22 identifies the blessing of Aaron as the famous Birchat Kohanim. Ramban disagrees. Ramban is more skeptical about the substance of the blessing because Birchat Kohanim is commanded to Aaron and his sons to say, here it was just Aaron. So he says it must have been a different, more personal blessing in this moment. And so ends part two. Part three. A fire appears from before God and consumes all of the sacrifices that have been placed upon the altar. The people became overwhelmed by the incredible sight and they fall to the floor in awe. The sons of Aaron, Nadav and Avihu, 
they take a fire pan. They each take a fire pan. They place fire in it and they sprinkle incense on top of the fire. They offer this incense before God inside the Mishkan, though they had not been commanded to do so. A fire comes out from before God and tragically kills Nadav and Avihu. Moshe tells God that he was sanctified. Moshe tells Aaron that he was sanctified by the closest to him. And Aaron is silent in response. Moshe calls to Mishael and El Tzafan, the children of Uziel, who is Aaron's uncle, the Torah tells us, and tells them to remove the bodies from the sanctuary to the outside of the camp. They did so. Moshe says to Aaron, Elazar, and Itamar that they should not render their clothes and or uncover their heads as was the custom for mourners, nor should they leave the Mishkan. They are sanctified. They are dedicated. All of Israel will mourn the passing of your loved ones in your place. God now speaks directly to Aaron, saying that he and his sons should be careful not to imbibe alcohol when serving in the Mishkan. You shall separate between that which is holy and profane and teach all of Israel the laws of God. And so ends part three. So begins a short part four, pay attention. Moshe speaks with Aaron, Elazar, and Itamar, the remaining children of Aaron, and instructing them and instructs them to eat the remaining mincha sacrifice. The Torah seems to indicate they are the same. There is mincha sacrifice left over, and there are children left over after the last Aliyah. They shall eat it in the holy place because it is their portion. They are one and the same. The other pieces were offered in a waving that were offered in a waving can be eaten by anyone in the priestly family and must be eaten in a pure place outside of the Mishkan. And so ends a very short part four. Part five. Darosh Darash Moshe. Moshe now inquires, Darosh Darash, he inquires regarding the goat sin offering and discovers that it was not eaten, but rather it was burned up by the priests in their entirety. He's angry, he's furious. Why did they go rogue? Why did they not do as they were instructed to eat the sacrifice? Why did they burn it? Aaron defends their actions, pointing out that God may not have approved their eating of this meat on a day such as this. Moshe heard Aaron's arguments. And the Torah says that he approved of them. He ended up approving of their actions. Rashi chapter 10 verse 20 says that Moshe had no problem admitting his error and was not embarrassed in, do, in, doing, so, in doing so. Lo kam Moshe od, no one is as great as Moshe, even when he makes a mistake. And so ends part 5. Part 6. These are the animals that are permitted to be eaten. God speaks with Moshe and Aaron saying that they should instruct the Jewish people regarding which animals they were permitted to eat, the laws of Kashrut. They are as follows. Any animal with a full split hoof that chews the cud may be eaten. 
Other animals that do not have both of these signs, such as the camel, hare, or pig, shall not be eaten, and their carcass shall be impure to the touch. Of the fish, you can eat those with fins and scales. Any other sea creatures are forbidden to be eaten. From the birds, you shall not eat the, you shall not eat the eagle, the vulture, the black vulture, the kite, the falcon, the ravens, the ostrich, the nighthawk, the seagulls, the hawks, the owls, the cormorants, the pelicans, the bustards, the stork, the herons, the hoopoe, and the bat. None of those animals, none of those birds shall be eaten. Any winged creature that walks on four legs shall also be forbidden from being consumed. A flying creature that walks on all fours but has jointed legs for leaping, like the locust, the grasshopper, indeed may be eaten. The carcass of the forbidden creatures will make you impure until the evening should you touch them. All animals that walk on their pores, four pores, are forbidden to be eaten and their carcasses are also impure. The mole, the mouse, the lizard, gecko, crocodile, and chameleons are forbidden and impure. When something impure falls into a utensils, whether it's made of wood, cloth, or animal skins, the item should be dipped in the mikvah and will be impure until the evening. And so ends part six. Part seven. Anything impure found in an earthenware vessel will cause the vessel to be smashed. Food that becomes impure through contact with water or liquid. A liquid becomes impure if it's contained inside a vessel that itself is impure. An oven or a stove becomes impure also has to be smashed. A spring of water cannot become impure. The one who touches something impure in it, they themselves will become impure. Grains can become impure. If a kosher animal dies, its carcass is impure, and anyone who eats it has to wash his clothes and will remain impure until the evening. Any creeping creature or anything that moves on its belly or, on, or has many feet may not be eaten. God sanctified Israel because he is sanctified, and Israel shall refrain from eating anything that swarms. God took us out of Egypt for him to be our God and for us to be holy. These are the laws of consuming animals that will assist in separating between that which is impure and that which is impure. And so ends Parshat Shemini. Thank you so much for joining us for this brief overview of the Parsha. My name is Yechiel Schaffer. This is Parsha on a Pod. Here's a quick final thought on the Parsha. The laws around that which may or may not be eaten by the general population seem to be out of place here in the book of Vayikra. This book, largely focused on the building and functioning of the Mishkan, generally does not speak to general rules that apply to the broader Jewish community. The laws in Vayikra speak to the Kohanim, not Klal Yisrael. The Sforno assumes that the laws of food consumption must have the same goal as the laws of the Mishkan, as the purpose of the priests. 
If one views the, the Mishkan as having a rehabilitative effect following the Golden Calf, the laws of Kashrut, of Tuma and Tahara, of the purity and impurity of dead animals must be similarly focused. How we consume meat reflects on the sanctity of the Jewish people as much as how we treat our sanctuaries. And so ends our, par- our podcast this week. If you enjoyed it, please rate us highly on Apple and Spotify. Share this podcast with your friends. Subscribe and have a wonderful day.